Tinkerbell Jingles, how the devil are you? <laughs> I am festive, uh, according to my namesake. It's been a little while since we've spoken, and it's weird. It has. Yeah, it is a little bit odd, isn't it? Well, this is a, a surprise Christmas episode, so listeners. Uh, the top of my show note, Mr. Cosgrove, does give this away. Okay, adult beverages have been or are being consumed. <laughs> okay. Uh, fr- fridge breaks and comfort breaks are inevitable. That's fair. It's a Christmas special after all. <laughs> if someone isn't falling asleep on the sofa listening to it or nipping out to go to the bathroom halfway through, we're not doing it, right? <laughs> exactly. We are here to encourage flatulence and laziness. <laughs> when are we not? I mean, that's, if anything, that should be the banner. If Can we get that in Latin, please? We can put it under our <laughs> names. Yes, I wonder what the Latin for flatulence is. I'm, like, sure, yeah, I'm sure. Drop it in the is. slack if you know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's lovely to hear you again. It's been, oh God, how many real world weeks has it been? Maybe two, two, three weeks since we spoke? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a couple, yeah. It's weird. Um, well, you know, we, we have created this rod for our own backs. <laughs> well, the next 200 episodes are going to be us going, oh, we don't talk as much as we used to. Huh. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so and listeners, listeners go, oh, for God's sake, it was your own decision, you fools. Oh, well, what's new? Because this episode is a little different, so we might as well start off with some off-tangent nonsense. Well, I mean, indeed, why, why change the habit of a lifetime? <laughs> um, I do actually, before we get going, mm-hmm. I do have something uh, I'd like to read to you. I've put it into a note um, that you and I share somewhere else, but you may not have seen it. So um, I had a new subscriber to StuartLennon.com. Uh, the other day, which is always, always pleasing, always lovely. Um, I'm just going to read you, I'm just going to read you the email, okay? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Stuart. Really looking forward to all the content this opens up and settling down with my iPad over Christmas to get up to speed with your writings. I certainly like what I've seen so far. I'm new to Slack, so we'll also explore that properly on a bigger screen than this phone. The changes to 1857 made me finally take the leap. And as expected, here I am in my Monday lunch break, missing the usual weekly banter. Aww. But if you've taught me anything, and you have a plenty, it's to see the big picture and appreciate what we have. Yourself, TJ, and the mighty Justin are steady points on the compass that really helped me through the last 18 months. So thank you. I work in an animal hospital, so as well as my fancy stationery at home, I have all the white Nero's pencils here at my desk, and that monocled handsome boy helps me through my Mondays as well. <laughs> have a wonderful Christmas, Stu. Which has got to be up there with one of the best emails I've ever received, to be honest. It's <laughs> lovely. Um, that made me feel all warm inside. Um, and, well, I thought I'd better share it with you lot mm. as well. Um, and that's from, from Jamie. So thank you, Jamie. That email cheered me up no end. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. What are you writing with, TJ? <laughs> well, we've got a little bit of a mix-up because we've got... There's, there's what I'm writing with today, which we'll cover. But then there's what we're writing with and what we're drinking and what we're watching, what we're listening and all the other things. So I'm going to spoil the surprise. I'm going to open the presents now on uh, the eve of Christmas. And we're going to do... A Christmas 
best of regulars. So God, who would have thunked it? <laughs> me about a week ago. <laughs> this is you know, the best Christmas writing implements, the best Christmas TV and movie, the best Christmas songs, uh, Christmas reading, festive beverages, great gifts for young and old, uh, festive quotations, and then the parish notices as normal. So my very boring, very non-Christmassy writing implement is the same Blackwing 62 I've been writing with for, uh, I think, canonically six months. Um, it, it, I've just not sharpened it a whole bunch, so it just hasn't died. It's lovely. <laughs> it's an old horsey one, Palomino. Um, so I'm, I'm writing all my show notes with it, and I write, uh, well, I was when I was still in work. Now that I've finished for Christmas, I was scribbling all my notes for work, but I don't know. I just wasn't using it a massive amount. I wasn't writing longhand, so it's, uh, it's still sort of in stasis in, uh, Steinbeck stage. Uh, so that's what I'm writing with right now. What are you writing with right now? Right now, I'm writing with a, a Rockster, uh, which is a, a pen that was made for me um, by by a company of the same name, mm. um, rockster.co.uk. Um, that's Ash. He's in Wales, isn't it? There's lovely, look you. And he makes um, very nice sort of bespoke pens. And I had him make me, um, I'm sure we've covered this before, uh, one in the image of Nero. So it's uh, Italian black ebonite. <laughs> and then it has um, a little uh, help for heroes collar, just where the cap meets the barrel. Mm. Uh, so it's navy blue, air force blue and army red uh, with a black nib because Nero was a pure black schnauzer. Um, it's a lovely pen. Very nice. And I've got um, an ink in it called Obsidian, Ooh. which is by Lamy and is it's a very nice black ink, very sort of rich black. It's lovely. Very good. Is that R-O-X-T-E-R? Or? No, no, no. Um, uh, R-O-C-K-S-T-E-R. Rockster. Rockster. Lovely. I'll put it in the show notes. Ah, yeah, it's very nice. Um, he, he makes pens uh, on commission. And so if you if you think of getting one, order one now and you may get it for Christmas 2023. <laughs> it's a good He's sign. A busy, busy man. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Well, that's that's the current, you know. That's that's what we're writing with now, but we gotta talk about the Christmas special. The what is oh, Stu yes. Lemon's best Christmas writing implement of all time official go. Well, uh, th this is uh, inspired by a tweet <laughs> that I read somewhere, um, which uh, had a, so it had a meme um, of Scrooge leaning out of the window, uh, saying, "Boy, what variant is this?" Uh, which is it was clearly a bit of political commentary, um, and also I thought very funny. So for me, it's uh, the Mont Blanc limited edition and Meisterstück, uh, the Charles Dickens, which is a. Uh, my version has got a huge double broad nib on it uh, and well probably a blue black traditional old school ink big pen lots of ink sweeping gestures yes <laughs> something that's the one to do the uh like the log books for your bank statements in 1804 or something when you're like yes accounting in accounting in payments charged yes that's it Cratchit would have been there with it, with some sort of feather, just trying to write very fine, little, you know, little needle nibs, mm. like um, like like Twyford uses, uh, fine, extra fine, all that nonsense, and then 
the boss, Scrooge himself. Scrooge Mc- McDuck, I was going to say. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge would have been there with a huge, big broad nib going, no, do it again, scratching through it. <laughs> Rolls in on the, the stationary equivalent of a roller, some sort of like paint roller. Well, I, I, yeah, a sort of fire hose, <laughs> a steward pen. <laughs> okay, okay, I can see you went for the, the Dickensian um, thrust. Mm-hmm. I like that, that's good. Um, and what about you? What did you go for? I went for color matching. So I'm for a nice sort of, um, let's think about festive colors. Let's think about a nice aesthetic pairing that you could have. So I thought, let's go German. Uh, let's go for a Teutonic Christmas. Mm-hmm. So state of tradition, black and red, uh, paired with the Faber-Castell 9000, sort of nice rustic deep green. And that's, that's a very Christmassy mm-hmm. palette. So I thought if you got one in HB, maybe the tradition in HB, and then get the Faber-Castell 9000 in something like 2B or 3B maybe, you've got a nice sort of scale of uh, writing implements there, and that'll do very well. You, you're, everything's going to look grey because you're writing a pencil, but at least the pencils themselves will be festively appropriated. Uh, I, can, I can see this. You're going to do little sort of sketches, aren't you? There's going to be sort of snow on the roofs and perhaps a little, <laughs> a little dog in the garden. Merry Christmas and all of that. So, yeah, you know, I can, I can see what's happening here. I, unfortunately, I don't have the talent for that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to carry the, carry the team there. Hmm. Right. Television. Christmas television. <gasps> it's a thing Christmas unto itself. Television, eh? it's, a, it's a whole category mm-hmm. of programming. There are magazines dedicated to Christmas programming. Well, there are indeed. I, I watched my first Christmas special yesterday, I think. <laughs> uh, the BBC put one out on, on the 15th of December. That's getting themselves going quick. And what was it? Um, what was um, I'm trying to, uh, My family. So um, uh, I forget the name. Robert Lindsay and Zoe Wanamaker. Of course, pulled that out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> it's a sitcom. Yeah. Um, it's... It's funny-ish. He's brilliantly cynical. I think that's probably what I enjoy the most. Um, and she's brilliantly good at just completely ignoring him. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of, yes, reflective of certain parts of my own life, I suspect. <laughs> so that was your first one? But no, it's... Yeah, what's, what's, what's that was my list? first one. The top list for Stu, for Lennon Household Christmas oh. watching. Well, there's so many, aren't there? I mean, there's... Um, uh, I, for me, being old, a fairly recent one, which is that I can't really watch. Christmas hasn't started until you've seen Hans Gruber falling off the tower. <laughs> I mean, that's, ho, ho, that's ho. kind of essential. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, a bit of Die Hard, uh, Yippie Kaye, and all of that sort of malarkey. Um, um, Going back a bit further, this is probably before your time. You may have seen it once or twice, but I I saw it when it came out. (laughs) Only Fools and Horses, um, a very famous British sitcom. Mm. There was a Christmas special that involved uh, the two protagonists uh, dressing as Batman and Robin, and it still makes me cry when I watch that that sketch today. Um, It is just so funny. and in the same episode is the famous pratfall from uh, Del Boy. Do you know what I'm talking about? See, I, I'm going to um, admit, I have 
I know what Only Fools and Horses is. I know some of the stuff from it. I have never watched a single episode. Oh, oh well, you, you are missing out because <laughs> some of the comedy is brilliant. Uh, but th- there's an amazing... Um, it's an amazing pratfall where he, uh, Del Boy, who's, who's uh, he's, uh, he's a trader, right? He's a trader on the market. Mange tu, mange tu. Come on, Rodney. Um, he's the sort of um, South London wide boy. So he's wearing a big fur coat. And he's, he's always on the deal. Um, and he, he, he turns to his co-star and says, right, play it cool, play it cool. They're in a pub. And he's standing at the bar, but he's actually standing at the flap. Yeah, where the bar staff come in and out of the bar. <laughs> oh, I have seen this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, and so it's opened up. He he, how he did this, I don't know because I've tried to recreate this with with mattresses and stuff, and I just never have the trust. But he literally leans on the bar that is no longer there and falls completely rigid. <laughs> oh, it's, oh dear. Um, but there, there's a sketch in I think the same episode, Batman and Robin, uh, which is just. So brilliantly written, so well set up, so well shot. I mean, everything about it is amazing. I have to watch that. Um, and the other one that has got no Christmas feeling to it at all, <laughs> apart from the fact that the BBC used to show it every Christmas, was The Great Escape, uh, which is based on a true story. Second World War prisoner of uh, Second World War prisoner of war camp escaped from mm-hmm. the biggest mass escape um, ever. Uh, Steve McQueen has a, has a brilliant role. He plays the sort of cool American prisoner who's, that's it. Yeah, he's often in the cooler, uh, which is solitary confinement, and he has a baseball, <laughs> which he just throws down against the, the yeah. sort of the corner of the wall and the floor. <laughs> uh, I did that for years of my childhood just because of that. Um, brilliant. Brilliant movie. I have to watch that as well. I again. Um, I usually have to do these things after dark once my wife has gone to bed. Yes, this is, this is your guilty pleasure after everyone else, all the reasonable adults have gone to sleep and you've sat down to watch rubbish on television. Um, That's it. I Again, this is a movie that I keep meaning to see and I've never seen. I'm sure people will be quite surprised by that. But it's one of those funny things, right? I'm a 90s kid and so a lot of my pop culture understanding comes from The Simpsons. And I only really realized this mm-hmm. whenever I saw then what they were parodying for the first time. And so there's a whole bit where Bart gets locked in this this little like shed and he has a ball and he bounces yeah, it off. Yeah, does the same thing with the baseball. And I was, I'd was i seen yeah. that before. And then you said that and went, oh, right, okay. So that's what they were making fun. Like there's so many things. You know, Edgar Allan Poe, The Raven, the first time I ever heard that, which is my favorite poem, was through a Simpsons Halloween horror episode where they make fun of it. And there's so many little touchstones like that where... Because I watched The Simpsons, I vaguely understood something that I probably should be watching instead of The Simpsons. Um, but then 15 to 20 years later, you find out, oh, okay, that prepared me better than I expected for real world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, The Great Escape is something you have to watch. I mean, it's a brilliant movie. Mm. And there are some amazing actors in it, some great performance. Joel Garner turns up in it, who um, you will have no idea who he is. <laughs> um, but... Uh, to any 80s child, he, he's Jim Rockford from the Rockford Files, uh, which used to be on BBC Two in about five o'clock. Or so. uh, anyway, uh, but uh, it's it's a fantastic mm. movie. Well, I like watching that. Brilliant. And it's a true story. Yeah. It's a true story. Um, and the, the ingenuity of these guys is just incredible. Is this the one anyway. with 
Maybe I'm mixing up my movies now. Is this the one with they go to play as a baseball and he wiggles out like earth down his trouser leg onto the, the mound? Uh, well, that might be the American version. But yeah, they, they play all sorts of games um, and they're doing lots of gymnastics. So they have a pommel horse yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, they dig uh, they dig tunnels. And they're trying to get rid of the dirt. Yes, Tom not, Dick and, again, I've seen the reference. Tom, Dick and Harry, yeah. in fact. <laughs> Okay, okay. I, now I have two things to watch. A movie and, a, and an episode of a TV show. So there we go. I'm sorted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Rod, Rodney may well become your, your new sort of folk hero. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I suppose it's of its time. But, mm. um, oh, oh, the acting. David Jason is just possibly the maybe the best ever British character actor. I, I don't know. He's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. He is so funny in this. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm now laughing at episodes that nobody even knows I'm thinking about. So I'll shut up. <laughs> what about you, TJ? What's, what's your Christmas TV? There's two Christmas episodes that spring to mind that I will always watch at Christmas time, no matter what, either they will make their way into my eyes via the TV when they, they they sporadically perennially appear, or I will seek them out, and I've already watched one of them this year. Um, the first one is Mr. Bean. Um, grew up watching Rowan Atkinson, not only his Mr. Bean sketches, but his other actual stand-up, which is very very good as well. Um, yeah. And so there's a Mr. Bean nativity. It's a Christmas episode that includes lots of little little vignettes. Um, so he goes shopping in it's it's like Harrods or one of the big London department stores. And he goes in and he's testing at all these things. There's lots of lovely wee gags. And Mr. Bean, for anyone who doesn't know, it's it's very physical comedy. It's not a lot of talking. He doesn't really speak an awful lot. It's a lot of just miming. It's very British, very sour sometimes and kind of a bit... It's just the presentation is brilliant. But there's all these little bits that are wonderful. And I watch it every time, forgetting how much I remember of it because it's just so ingrained. You know, he goes in, he's testing these baubles in the tree and he throws one on the ground and it's plastic and it bounces back up. And so he goes, oh, and he throws another one. It just shatters in the glass. And he goes, nope, and wanders off then. And the best bit is arguably there's a whole nativity scene. And so it's the standard nativity set that you have with the, the manger and the baby Jesus and all the different characters. Um, and he's sort of standing over this looking down and the camera just zooms in and it's almost like a play. <laughs> he just starts acting out all this nonsense and so you know, the baby Jesus is there and then this, this man walks in and, and Mary goes Shh. and then a lorry drives past and a sheepdog starts rounding up sheep into the back of this lorry and then a Dalek comes in from, he's pilfered from the children's section that starts shooting the sheep and then all this nonsense happens and they fight the Dalek and they fight the T-Rex and, um, <laughs> and then as he's doing that, this little policeman doll appears from the left and it's one of the staff who's sort of kicking him out because he's mugging around. Um, it's just brilliant. One of those sort of touchstones for me of, of British humour. Um, and every year I watch it and every year I remember how much I love it because it's just growing up. It's that kind of pure, silly humour that I think a lot of people can watch. Anyone can really enjoy it because it's just it's just funny without being crass or silly. Yeah, I mean Rowan Atkinson. I've I've just put something into into our show note there, uh -huh. um, because 
I know this. <laughs> what, what I learned, yeah. What I loved about Rowan Atkinson was his comedy was initially uh, very verbal and mm. clever yeah. and witty, <laughs> and and the 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 sketch that I've just put uh, into our show is it's called the Curry House, and so it's Rowan Atkinson. Um, he takes the role of uh, an Indian waiter in a curry house in England. Uh, dealing with well, the British people, <laughs> <laughs> sort of falling into this place full of beer, looking for for, for a curry, a hot and, dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean the mimicry and stuff is just incredible. It's very funny. Um, if it is racist, then it's racist against the the British, so that's fine. Um, and it was i mean i first heard it as a, as a radio sketch yeah and it had me in tears and then it's brilliant the way he sort of as he went through his career he then just translated completely so the mr bean stuff is mostly without dialogue isn't it i mm. mean i don't think there's any real dialogue in the mr bean none all. of it's important it's you know, um, like mm, oh, there's a lot of noises right yeah words. exactly he's brilliant and um the uh, the other one that you made me think of was the the final part of Blackadder Black Goes Forth. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's Christmas watching for all the wrong reasons, I suppose. Is but, that the war, yeah, the I mean, World War II one? Were they, was it World War I? World War I. Yes, and then it's yeah, the it's kind World of the, up, the, the call to go up and over. It's, yeah, it's the end, it's the end of Black the, the end of Blackadder in more ways than one. Yes, uh, because he, he sings the tune um, uh, of Blackadder in that little nativity sketch. You know, the army comes in, he starts singing the Blackadder tune as the army comes in. So it's it's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fact. Oh dear, lots of TV to watch. <laughs> so, yes. We might have to stop recording so I can catch up. <laughs> Mr. Bean is one of them. Uh, Mr. Bean in general is fantastic. There's so many great sketches there. The other one which has a particularly good Christmas episode is Father Ted, uh, which is one near and dear. Drink! <laughs> from near and dear to my heart and uh i'll not spoil the christmas episode if you haven't seen it if you haven't seen any father ted watch it it's fantastic but the christmas Drink! episode is, <laughs> it's brilliant as a, as a bunch of priests get lost in the largest lingerie section in ireland <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> <laughs> and and as listeners will gather i i personally channel father jack quite a lot um <laughs> so yes two fantastic shows that really oh, I want to go and watch them both again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite tempted to as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's there's any number of movies that pop on at Christmas time with, you know, the the. I mean, back in the day, it would have been the TV listings guide or whatever you got, and that was your that was your lot, whatever was on the, uh, the radio the, times. Well, yes. not all of us are of that era, Stu. You know, <laughs> we had the color box, you know, the TV. We had to get two, all right? We had to get the Radio Times, which had BBC in it, and the, the TV Times, which had uh, independent television in it. Got advertising on it, for heaven's sake. <laughs> oh, but you had to get two big magazines. I do remember, I remember very, very vividly reading through that book to see what would be on at Christmas, and being excited because, oh, I haven't seen that movie, I haven't seen that. You know, if, if 10-year-old me knew what Netflix was, I think they, my mind would have been blown. <laughs> But then you, reading through it, I had to sit there with a pencil and mark stuff. Sir, well, I would circle things and then being 10, be like, well, it's Christmas and then forget what overruled. Time it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, we're watching this. <laughs> so, uh, hmm. 
yes, the smorgasbord of Christmas watching is is always available. Um, a firm favorite of mine is Love Actually, which is a great movie for for Christmas time because it's kind of oh dear, you've put that in for Meg. No, you? it's a Meg, great. Is, is that you? It's, is is that you? That's cool. It's not. It is. It's a great example of it's nonsense tying lots of different disparate stories together in a wonderful, meaningful way that is a little bit silly and a little bit fun. All right, look, if you don't tell anybody, I'll admit I like it. <laughs> Love is actually all around. And there's a there's a brilliant <laughs> Christmas cover by, is it Bill Nye? Not Bill Nye. It is Bill Nye, is yeah. Bill Nye? I keep thinking of Bill Nye the science I guy. feel it in my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Too many syllables, not enough words or something. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's a good movie. And um, old, old, what's his face? Um, uh, Hugh, is it Hugh? Hugh, Grant. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Grant. Yes, Hugh Grant playing Hugh Grant. <laughs> it's good fun. It's one of those. We'll watch it at Christmas. It Meg is. loves it, and we'll sit down and watch that. But I mean, there's yeah. there's plenty. Die Hard's a good example. Although I have been known to take the stance that Die Hard is a movie at Christmas rather than a Christmas movie, but. Uh, the older I get, the less... The well, that's because you're young <laughs> and you don't know yet. The delineation has become less important in my elder age. There's, I mean, there's Christmas, there's snow, there's Christmassy Santa, there's a Christmassy finish. Indeed. There's a sort of nice resolution. I mean, honestly. I mean, it, it's basically a wonderful life with a lot more violence <laughs> and a tower. <laughs> Nakatomi Plaza, indeed. Um, Bless you. But yes, those are... Those are my Christmas things. So hopefully you find something to watch. And if you haven't, uh, well, then just go and look at Netflix, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that still is, um, I'm going to go back to the old man shouting at the internet thing, but that is still one of the wonders of, you know, whatever you now call it, terrestrial TV or scheduled TV or whatever, is it's discovery. It's go, oh, look, Love Actually is on. Yeah. Boof. And suddenly it becomes part of the plan rather than sort of actively seeking it out or <laughs> yeah. stumbling across it in a in a sort of doom scroll of Netflix. It's it's wonderful as well because it's this kind of archaic. Like, how is this better? How is it better to flick into an advert infested version of Love Actually that started 27 minutes ago? But somehow it's magical. No, 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 TJ, for heaven's sake, man, watch the BBC. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Television like, with advertising. You're on Channel 4, you yeah. flick through and you're, oh, yeah, boy, let's watch this. And then 14 outbreaks and 60 minutes later, you're like, well, we've made it through the first 15 minutes of the movie. I, I mean, it's good, but... Uh, hmm. Well, I had one of those the other day. I watched um, uh, A Boy Called Christmas. Ooh, sounds have, you, have you seen that? No. It's based on a Matt Haig book. It's... It, it's a Christmas movie. I mean, you know, a modern Christmas movie, which, again, people at my age, we thought they'd all stopped being made in about sort of 75. <laughs> um, but it's lovely. I, I was watching it. I was, I was quite taken with it. I mean, it's twee. It's silly. There's a, there's a mouse that talks, um, you know, played by Stephen Merchant, by the way. Ooh, um, very good. Which, which, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just loving this. I'm loving the little witticisms, the one-liners. And Margaret sort of woke up and went, this is really rubbish, isn't it? And then went to bed. I was like, oh, okay, right, fine. Party of one for this movie? Party of one? 
<laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, she could be a bit grumpy when she wakes up in the middle of a movie, can, can the current missus up. Yeah, Meg and I have the perennial argument of you're falling asleep. No, I'm not. I'm awake. Well, you've been snoring awake then for the past 20 minutes, so that's concerning. Yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, mm, yeah, some more marriage advice, TJ. No, don't ever say that again. Just, just go, yes, darling. Yes, of course, sweetie. You, it's wonderful that you can there we, sit there awake with your glasses on and your eyes closed. My, my, my apologies for remarking upon your resting of the eyes. Yes, it's the sort of phrase you need. Hmm. Right, you've, you've watched a film, right. you want to stick on the, the old record player, the old 45, what's going on it? Ah, uh, well, honestly, it probably depends on how many adult beverages I've had. Um, if if there are bagpipes involved, then it's probably too many. <laughs> However, um, for Christmas songs, there's... Um, a lot of stuff you've never heard of because you're about seven. And there's the fairy tale of New York. Yeah, the Pogues, I've heard that. Uh, yeah, well, that you've heard of. But other than sort of, you know, Bing Crosby and things, I mean, the rest of it's all nonsense. You know, um, <laughs> what, what else would there be? I mean, I, I love them all. Yeah. Wizard. Um, all of those sort of top of the pop specials from, I don't know, when, when would they have started? In the 60s all the way through yeah. the 70s? And there was what? Is it Any one of those at Christmas. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, do they know it's Christmas? Indeed, uh, don't talk about the American one. No offense to, to listeners in the United States. Oh, God, yeah, it was horrible. Um, uh, hang on. Uh, we are the world. That one. Um, uh, right. We are the children. Let's make it a better. It was an awful song. Whereas <laughs> the Live Aid song was actually a pretty decent song. Yeah, it's, it's all those songs that you hear... I mean, in the UK, certainly it's from about late October they begin and then they run until mm. very, very late December. Sometimes they sort of edge into January and then they die a death and you don't see them again for eight months. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much how it works. And uh, well, in the modern age, you just bark at your um, your digital assistant. <laughs> hey, and, Doofus, play me Christmas music. <laughs> yeah, and all sorts of nonsense comes back that you haven't heard for a long time. Um, rocking around the Christmas tree. Oh yeah, who would that be? There's a, a version of Kim Wilde and all sorts of people in that one. Um, uh, yeah, status quo. Oh no, status quo. Slade. Slade, indeed. So here it is. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yes. yeah all the favourites. Um, I I like a bit of Michael Bublé. He does a good Christmas album. Mm, he is Mr. Christmas, isn't indeed. he, Michael Bublé? But that's nice. It's nice for um, easy listening because t- it's songs you know, but but in a, a cohesive style instead of just jumping all over the show. Uh, here's, here's a slightly alternate one for you. Um, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That's a pretty good version. He does a live version. Um, and yeah, he can carry a tune, <laughs> can Bruce. Um, but it's still, it's the fairy tale of New York. I mean, that is um, the, the, it, the... It's a brilliant the prototypical song. prototypical Christmas song. Uh, yeah, the Fogues, the Fogues, no, the Pogues featuring uh, oh, uh, Kirsty McCall. Mm-hmm. My apologies to the dear departed Kirsty McCall. Uh, Little St. Nick, mm. Beach Boys. Yeah, nice song, nice song, but it does make me think of beaches and surfing and stuff. A California Christmas where there's no snow and yeah. it's 35 degrees. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, Run Run Rudolph. Well, if you must, TJ, if you must. 
<laughs> those aren't even new ones. Those are, those are relatively uh, your your wheelhouse. But no, there's a good there's a good selection of Christmas music. So I think Christmas music is one of those ones that because they're three to five minutes at an absolute maximum. If they start in early November and run until late December, you'll have heard all of them at least once. And the the roster only ever really grows by one or two songs a year. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I mean, mostly it's about forty songs, isn't it? And you hear them probably <laughs> about forty times a day yeah. for for maybe the best part of a hundred days. Yeah, it, I mean, it is. But how many? It is quite tiresome if you. <laughs> If you work in retail, if you've ever oh, worked Lord, in retail, yes, you soon learn to hate, hate Christmas music. Worse, I mean, I'm sure it's better oh. now because I'm sure there's better streaming platforms that will give you slightly more breadth. But I remember the days when yeah. it was a CD. And so it was like, yeah, exactly, I yeah. know all 12 tracks. I know what track's coming on yep. next. I could time my yep. activities to the track. I'd be like, no, um, I'll finish this up by the time Adele's done and then I'll finish off. Uh, that one whenever Maroon 5 sort out the next track you just start doing your day to the, uh, the tracks on the music overture um, that's no good uh, yeah. and it's always the assistant manager that was in charge of the CD <laughs> and he would always he would always just save the extra money and have a couple of pints and so you'd have last year's CD that's it what do you mean 2010s was on four music four years peaked. in a row <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. listen, I'm still listening to Bing Crosby in, in my memories here. Yeah. I'm oh, go away. Anyway. I would be really no. interested um, to know I, how many, if there, say there's 40 core Christmas mm. songs every year, how many get added? Mm. Is it one, is it two that become iconic enough to go into that sort of all-star roster of Christmas songs that everybody hears once? Like how many is it, there must be a serious amount of attrition where people release a Christmas song that then sinks into the doldrums of Oh, yeah, I guess they did a Christmas song. Or they did a Christmas album. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple that sort of go in. I mean, Buble releases something and everybody goes, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? You've got grandmothers going, isn't he nice? Isn't mm-hmm. he a lovely boy? Um, and then uh, anything by Mariah Carey, that'll probably get up there as well. Others, sort of major league pop stars, they, you, yeah, they sort of release one and it will maybe hang around for a year or yeah. two and then it just disappears, doesn't it? Sir Cliff, he comes out with another one. Sir Cliff Richard. I think um, there's a new one with, uh, oh, I've forgotten everybody's name who's involved now, which is terrible. Um, Elton John with, uh, what do you call the ginger lad? Uh, oh, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. I haven't heard it, but they've released a Christmas one. I, well, I mean, with, with those two names attached, it's going to sell all right. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a certain amount of ability there that you assume, like, well, this can't be awful. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, um, both both of those uh, those artists have done all right for themselves, I think you'll find, <laughs> yes. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so I'd like to, I'd love to know in Slack what people are listening to that we haven't already mentioned, or, or something that's outside of the, the current 40-track Vogue that would be worth listening to this year or next year. Yeah, some alternate stuff. But, and actually, I've just had a, a, a thing. We've got to go back to TV. Yeah. Because I need to find your views upon <laughs> Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, Lord. No, thank you. The, uh, I mean, I can't dance. Categorically cannot dance. Um, it was the first dance and the last dance. And we did it's it. Never, it's never stopped an Irishman in my experience. <laughs> I just, I, the, uh, I don't know. I don't, my, my parents sort of watched it when I lived at home uh, and it would have been on then in the background. 
I have never willfully watched an episode. I don't like any of those mm-hmm. performative shows, you know, X Factor or anything like that. I can't stand the story, the backstory, the, the, will they won't they like it just i've no interest it's like reality tv in general doesn't really interest me if they're baking a cake i'm all mm-hmm. over it if they're singing a song i'm not really jazzed um what well, now yeah. that you say it the baking a cake he's in the final the cake baker <clears throat> um john something or other forgive me strictly fans um and making history tj because he's dancing with a male partner so it's a oh, male yeah. professional and john the guy that won bake off yeah uh, and they've got through to the final, and it's brilliant because I have several friends who are, uh, you know, in their seventies, who are completely nonplussed by this. Uh, this. These two men, because these guys are dancing um, pasodoble, mm-hmm. uh, tango, waltz, rumba, and if you've ever seen a rumba, that there's an awful lot of stuff going on there that's very, very sensual. And there's two men being very, very sensual. They're both very well put together young men um wearing sort of see-through chiffon and <laughs> silk on the bbc at eight o'clock on a saturday night in front of a an audience full of your parents my parents and waitrose shoppers the world over going i said are those are they both fellows are they, yeah i think they're both men good lord um and your fair play to them is brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, uh, no, hang on, there's more, all right? Because I, I am a Strictly fan. I'm, I'm going to say that. <laughs> I, I must have had some adult beverages because I've said that. But um, one of the other finalists is a deaf actress from EastEnders. Oh, I mean, she probably does I've other read things about as well. This, but yeah. Famous from actors. And there, I, I don't know which week it was, but I'll give it away. Of course, I know which week it was. It was week eight. And <laughs> they, um, they're couples' choice. So there's a whole series of dances that you have to complete across the series. And uh, they sort of rotate them. So, you know, while one couple is doing a tango, another couple will be doing a waltz. Yeah. And so, you know, it keeps the interest. And their couples' choice is they can sort of mix and match different styles, and it's all very well choreographed. and They've been sort of growing as a, as a partner. He's a, he's a Sicilian professional. So uh, there's some family interest from our side. And, of course, she's deaf. So she relies on him counting as well as him leading oh, wow. to know yeah. where she is in the dance, which is an incredible thing just to... You watch her do this stuff and you go, and she couldn't hear a note of that. That's incredible. And she did just, just did that. Well, they did their couple's choice. And then in the middle of the number... All the music stopped for about 10 seconds, and it was the most moving thing I have ever seen. Wow. I had goosebumps on my goosebumps, as did the entire world. I mean, they were interviewed on uh, primetime American TV the next day. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just astonishing to watch. And I have never in my life seen two people dripping more charisma than these two. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I said to Margaret, I said, I'll tell you what, if the British public doesn't vote for these two to win, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm reneging, I'm getting rid of my citizenship. I'm going to become, I, I don't know, German or something. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And I will, I will tell you this, Mr. Cosgrove, it's absolutely captivating. The final is next week. Watch it. In fact, before this show goes out, before this show goes out, watch the final. 
Okay. And tell me you're not impressed. But there is plenty of, as you say, you know, the backstory's brought out and the BBC is going, well, because they know the numbers. So they're going, this couple's not getting many votes. So come on, let's let's pump this one. <laughs> let's pump that one. But you've got the first all-male couple. You've got a deaf woman. Um, and then you've got um, AJ, I, I, I don't know her surname. She's a, she's a lovely, beautiful um, black lady from the north of England, from Manchester somewhere. Uh, and she's just literally sprained her ankle in rehearsals this week. So, I mean, the, the drama that's going to unfold is just going to be amazing. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm absolutely converted. I, there you are. Mm, <clears throat> Sorry. I will mm, watch. What, I will what watch are we talking about? We're talking about music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. Meg, Meg, will, Meg will be very impressed. I know. I don't doubt the impressiveness of it. It's just the normally I can't be bothered with all the the showbiz but that sounds interesting it sounds mm. like the right amount of of intrigue to actual you know, competent dancing well and it's because they're celebrities so um there's you know there's less sort of ulterior multi- motive going on mm. and um traditionally what what's really fun about the whole thing is that it's made up uh progression through the season depends half upon the judges who are sort of you know uh, funny archetypes I guess you know Simon Cowell-esque but for dancing um, and public votes and of course the British public um, well, they know what they like <laughs> and, and and they're huge fans of the journey so you get this guy Dan Walker who um, he, he's your sort of dancer my sort of dancer He's, he's got four limbs, but it's difficult to tell that they're attached at times. <laughs> and you know, he started off looking like a sort of drunk giraffe going for a drink. And by the end of it, he could dance to the extent that you're going, well, I, I, he made it to, I think, the semifinals or something, you know, he was in, in the last four or five. Um, and time and time again, he was getting kept in by, by the British public who are going, I don't care that he can't dance. I really like the fact <laughs> that he was better than last week. Um, whereas that person over there is not really trying. Get rid of them. Um, I, I, it's, it's a fun thing. It's a fun thing. You should definitely watch. Okay. Right. So we've done Christmas. A best Christmas reading. <laughs> Ooh. I, you don't sound like you have an awful lot to read at Christmas. I, I don't think there's anything specific that I read at Christmas. No, I just keep reading what I'm reading, if you see what I mean. But do you make more time for reading? Do you find more time for reading? Um, I, I suppose I do, yes. Um, in that, you know, there's less excuse to be doing any worky type stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, The Great Escape, although it's a long movie, you can only watch it so many yeah. times. Um, so, yeah, I like a bit of a read. But it, it tends to be whatever I've got on, to be honest. Yeah. No, I don't think there's necessarily the Christmas book you have to read. Um, I just think it's important to take some time to read because I found the last couple... Last year was a, a very... You know, it was Meg and I and the dog was our Christmas last year because of COVID. Um, mm. Hopefully this year, fingers crossed, don't know what's happening, but hopefully be a few more folks that we can see my, my parents and stuff. But the year before, you know up at my in-laws, lovely lunch, chatted to everybody, sat and watched a few things on TV. And then there's this lovely, there's like a threshold for us anyway that's about an hour or so after eating and people might be nibbling on sweet things or they might just be sort of flaked out after a beer or two. And there's this nice sort of dispersal. So people kind of, one room, 
conservatory, you know, go upstairs. There's a dispersal of people. And so there's less uh, sort of social impetus to talk and chat. And so it's a nice time if you have a Kindle or you have a book just to kind of get cozy <laughs> and read. And that's that's the time I find I get a good solid three or four hours in. And then you can look up and it's nighttime and like, oh, right. What are we eating now? What are we drinking now? <laughs> good God, we stopped eating for an hour. Heaven forfend. <laughs> so that's get my, back on it. Once the TV runs out, once I once I kind of go, I don't want to watch Mr. Bean anymore. <laughs> I'll sit down and, and I'm looking forward to getting through some of my books. Probably not audiobooks, probably more like physical reading iBooks. But sure. uh, something you should read if you get a chance. Uh, if, you, if you've given me homework, I'll give you some. Uh, there's a fantastic sure. short story by Isaac Asimov. Now that you've finished Foundation, which I also finished, um, there's an Isaac Asimov short story that he himself said was his favorite short story he ever wrote. And it's really interesting. It's called The Last Question. You can find it online. You can find various PDFs and uh, online hostings of it you can read. It's not that long. The Last Question by Isaac Asimov. Great little thing to read. Really interesting, ponderous story. Yeah, I will. I, I have a feeling I may have read it. Probably, but I think I was probably about twelve, so I, I would have forgotten <laughs> it by now. So there you oh, go. I'm writing it down again. There we go. Even if you read one short story, try and make it that one. Yeah, yeah. No, I will actually. Um, ha- have you done any more sort of Apple TV Plus? Have you got into Invasion or any no, of that stuff? No, Invasion's on my list. I finished Foundation the other day. Um, and I, I, I've been mm. chatting with various people and some people are going, I'm not happy. Other people are going, yeah, it was fine. I fell somewhere, I would say, on the more thumbs up side of things. I, I thought it was pretty great. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it was the best thing I've ever watched, but I certainly enjoyed the the story and the narrative arc that they created. I think there's a lot more to come. Uh, yeah. But I thought they, they nicely set it up and there was a lot of intrigue and switch and, and, and what's going to happen uh so yeah I, I really enjoyed foundation invasions on my list to watch there's a few other bits and bobs on there um at the minute meg and i are watching um benadorm which is one of our favorites on okay. netflix have you ever seen that uh but i saw it was an itv thing and uh, unless it's changed it was yeah, you know, the, the, the British one. Yes, yes. Um, I think yeah. if you've probably seen, there's 10 seasons of it, so I'm not sure you've seen it all. Uh, it kind of kept coming mm. back for more, but it's fantastic. And, and there's every now and again, there's a Christmassy bit in that, but the whole concept of that show is fantastic because it's the kind of archetypes of people you meet on holiday. And so, you know, <laughs> if, if you've ever been on a Spanish holiday in, a, in sort of a, a lower budget... Uh, or all-inclusive type thing, you may have experienced some of these archetypes. And it's so funny because they're, yeah, they're so it's, true. It's brilliant writing. It's a bit close to the bone for for a Brit living, yeah. you know, sort of near the beach. I was going to say, yeah, you're probably I mean, like, yeah, these are people like, no, personally, day to day. No, I'm just thinking, hmm, which one of those am I? Mm. I'm a little bit of this character with this mixed in, a little dash of that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a fantastic yeah, scary one stuff. that we're di- sort of digging through. I think we're on season five or six now. Um but that's our, that sort of guilty watch at the minute, which is great. Um, what else are we going to watch? I've been catching up on a few movies as well. I've been trying to, to use my, my cinema pass. So I went and saw Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters the other day. Uh, Afterlife. It wasn't bad. You, you've seen the Ghostbusters movies, right? 
I've seen the original ones. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen anything since then. So there's one and two, and then there was the, the sort of sort of half-field reboot that wasn't bad, but did not do very well in public opinion. And then there's this movie. So one and two are obviously great, sort of originals. Uh, then the one after that sort of tried to, to redo it without any of the real ingredients from the first two. And uh, it wasn't a bad film, but it, it lacked something. It was There was an ingredient not there. Um, and then this one was a lot more true. It wasn't a reboot, it, but it, it ticked all those boxes. And you know when a film does that tightrope of one side is fan service and one side is, is hitting all those nice little cues from old movies? And it's hard Sure. It's easy to fall on both sides. It's hard to walk the rope. Uh, they did it very well and kind of lots of little nods and lots of little references and inclusions without being just like, here's a slideshow of things you like. Please give us your nine pounds cinema ticket. It was it was a bit more story than that. <laughs> um, so it was good. Uh, I enjoyed watching that. And then <laughs> in the same vein, I watched Spiral, which is from the book of Saw. It's uh, So the Saw movies were... Horrible, bloody guts, psychological thriller type. Everything's gone a bit wrong and you're locked in a room in a horrible trap. Uh, this is the, the latest entry in that series, which I think ran to like seven films. And it it was like, oh, so you took the joy and interest and intrigue of the original and you binned that. And then you gave me what was left after the, okay. So it's like, you know, when you wash the dishes mm. and then all the stuff that's left at the bottom and you're like, yeah, this this sort of vaguely vaguely looks like the food we had before but it's also just like a bad soup of dirt now it's a wee bit like that where you're like it's got all the ingredients of the original but it doesn't really look as appetizing and so that's uh, mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't watch again i'd say that much so yeah, there you go There's my that sounds point. a bit disappointing yeah give it a swing and a miss but if you can see ghostbusters it's worth it and if you want to want to laugh have a watch of benedorm that's my quick tv recap as we move into the christmas season oh I, I, there we go i mean you've been very very um studious i think i've <laughs> not really watched anything i invasion i've heard all sorts of sort of negativity about that um i don't know why but it hasn't really worked for people i've listened to so uh, but no i haven't watched much tv of late we're we there's lots of going to bed early because we're getting up very early mm. so I'm I'm losing that sort of guilty pleasure time. I shall have to try and gain some back over the holidays. Right, now we're moving into my specialised subject now. So um, best best festive beverages, apart from all of them, obviously. What 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 will be drunk in the Cosgrove households? Well, this, I, uh, I got a very Christmas. good deal on some cans of Foster's. Foster's, mate. So I have, I think, 40 cans or something. Sorry, of I was that. just sick in my mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Disco juice, lovely. Ah, might I? Nice, light, easy drinking beer. I don't want anything too complicated. I, I dare say there might be a pint of Guinness right. there. So, but apart apart from nice, I'll I'll buy into that. Yeah, <laughs> Foster's, God's sake. Um, but I mean, for us, the the sort of I I've never been a big drinker. I never really like alcohol that much. I would enjoy it now and again with a meal or with oh. friends. But there's apply yourself, man. <laughs> With training and aptitude, perhaps I can change this. Um, for me, Bailey's would be the perennial Christmas drink. That's the the old favourite, a little mm. glass of Bailey's yeah. with a bit of ice. That's always nice. That's it. Um, yeah. Of late, I have become very enthused by old fashions with a bit of orange peel in them. 
Mm-hmm. That's a really nice yep. drink to sit and sit. that's a that's a fireside drink if ever there was one. A um, little bit yep. of um, Angostura bitters and your whiskey or your uh, bourbon of choice, and just the little orange peel makes it. It just lifts it, and then either simple sugar syrup is typically what you put in, I think, or um, a couple of the recipes I've looked at have been like a brown sugar cube, demerara sugar cube, sort of mashed mm-hmm. up. Um, which is quite nice, but I do I do enjoy this. I think I'll have one of those. Ooh, maybe tonight. See how we go. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that good choice. Good choice. I mean, Bailey's always goes down well with everyone. Um, I saw again. I saw a tweet uh, where somebody said, "Oh, it's the first of December. That means any beverage that I would normally put milk in, I can now put Bailey's in. <laughs> Bailey's cereal, you know, cornflakes and Bailey's. Yeah." Mm, uh. There you go. That's um, that is applying yourself, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's one of those that I suppose at the end of you know eating too much, it's it's a sweet sweet treat mm. with uh, a little bit of alcohol to cut through it all, perhaps. Um, <laughs> or you can get the cheap. You can get the Irish cream, which is sort of the, the discount version. Yeah. which is yeah, Carolans was always a big one. I seem to remember Carolans Irish Queen. There's a couple of different ones you can get. Lidl do some, and they're all pretty good. But it's funny, Bailey's tends to be a nice balance between the the milky creaminess and the 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 harsh alcoholy. And the cheaper you go, the mm-hmm. more alcohol seems to be pronounced. It's like <laughs> UHT milk with a, a gallon of whiskey or something. It's a, it's a whiskey with a dash of milk. <clears throat> we had one of those little like milk sachets. You know the ones you rip the top off and pour into your your coffee from the, the gas station. That's what you get. In, oh yeah, just yeah. on top. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. You try and avoid those. Those are yeah. That's definitely a hangover. Um, and you can make all sorts of um, funky stuff with those B fifty twos, as in the bomber. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, oh, do you not know a B fifty two? Oh, I've heard of the it. The youth of today. I don't know what the ingredients. Um, give me, give me a rundown. Okay, so it's Bailey's, and then you down the side of the glass, you pour Kahlua, which is a coffee liqueur, yeah, yeah. which will, um, what's it? It will sit under the Bailey's, and then you float on top of that either a Cointreau or a triple sec. Oh, so an orange liqueur. Yeah, yeah. So you've got three little layers. You've got the dark brown, the light brown, the white, and then. Uh, you bang it, uh, and then, well, you make sure that everybody's done it so that nobody can remember what goes on afterwards. That's pretty much the... <laughs> <It's dangerous. laughs> yeah. As as Christmas parties go, that will get one going for you. Um, but in very small measures, I hasten to add, do not try this in a pint pot. Um, <laughs> I speak from experience. Uh, but yeah, as a little shot, that that is a party starter. Um, what do I drink? Well, I, obviously I drink everything, but, um, Christmas for me is about drinks that I wouldn't normally, uh, get to. So, mm. um, I always have sherry at Christmas and I always have port. Um, I don't, don't get me wrong. Given a free reign, I'd probably have sherry every day, <laughs> but it's, um, sherry in, in the UK has a really bad rap because the stuff that everybody has experienced is um is is usually a cream sherry um it's associated with grandma um it's a sort of sweet cloy liquid oh it's horrible um if you buy really good sherry if you find good sherry there's for a start there's about 25 different types 
but uh, Afino is um, uh, who makes a good fit. Don Pepe uh, is one you can find in most off licenses mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, it's a beautiful, dry, fragrant. I, I, it's a lovely, lovely drink. Um, or a, a manzanilla is a very nutty sort of um, fragrant, easy aperitif. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But you need you need to go out and find the good stuff. Mm. Um, if it's in if it's in Tesco's, you probably don't want it. <laughs> uh, although, in fairness, they they've probably got Tia Pepe. Uh, who make a great fino. Uh, so I like a bit of that. Uh, wine, obviously. Um, there was a time, probably say 10 years ago, where I would sit down and and do a sort of wine pairing with all the courses <laughs> of of the meal. Yeah. Um, and I've married, I've married Italians and there's a lot of courses. It's like, um, we're going to need another crate of wine because I have another crate of <laughs> courses in this meal. Well, I think our first Christmas together, Margaret watched me uncorking six bottles. Like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> I said, "Well, it's for each course, don't. It's just me and you. Don't worry, we'll be okay. That shan't um, be a problem." <laughs> yes, exactly. Although I may be snoring later. Um, uh, so yeah, some nice wine with whatever you're eating. Um, there's there's some wonderful stuff out there, obviously. Uh, port. I like a bit of port with my cheese. Uh, true sort of. English fashion, I sit there go, port and cheese. Um, and there are all sorts of traditions with port. The, you know, you've got to pass it and not let it touch the table, which again, if there's just the two of you, <laughs> probably best not to do that. Yeah. Um, but tradition, tradition that we have is we drink Laurent Perrier Rosé Champagne um, on Christmas morning. Uh, it's, it's not the cheapest champagne. Uh, but it's a very nice champagne. And uh, the guy I was in business with, James, his dad was the chairman of Laurent Perrier oh. for many years. Um, and, well, I told you they were posh. Uh, and, I mean, it is a lovely champagne. And the reason it's special to us is that when Margaret and I were courting, which is um, an old-fashioned word for going out together, <laughs> um, she said to me that she didn't like champagne. And I said, no, that's not true. You just haven't drunk the right one. And she, uh, well, anybody that knows Margaret will know she, she's quite opinionated. <laughs> why she puts up with me. Um, I said, no, no, that's nonsense. I've tried them all. And so I took her to a bar in Notting Hill. There you go, there's another movie. Um, and ordered a bottle of Laurent Perrier, uh, which came in a very nice ice bucket and, you know, all that stuff. And trust me, at pub prices, you don't want to do that. Uh, and... Two bottles later, uh, we, we were an item. We were well and truly together. So there you go. Uh, and we've had a Laurent Perrier rosé at Christmas ever since. Oh, that's lovely. So we, we have Laurent Perrier rosé and I cook scrambled eggs with smoked salmon. And then uh, we take the dogs for a long walk. Lovely. Okay. That's, that's our idyllic Christmas morning. Mm. And that walk just sort of sobers me up. Long enough to get me stuck into the wine for lunch. One <laughs> hello. <laughs> hmm. ah. Oh, the next section I've completely lost by great gifts, apparently. <laughs> gifts. For young and old, Stu. I mean, this is this is an interesting section because I 
there's so many of those websites and blogs that you read. I'm sure you read things as well where it'll do this. It'll go, you know, perfect gifts for the man in your life, perfect gifts for the woman in your life, perfect gifts for dad, perfect gifts for mom. And, you know, there's any number of websites and shops that will kind of make a list of the best things that your significant other will want or need. And largely they don't want or need any of them. And they could probably do without all of them. But it, it's it's funny because it's it's sort of happening in real time now where both sides of my family, both my my folks and Megan's folks, we're now getting to the stage where we're old enough. Like I'm in my 30s now. Uh, I don't need stuff. Generally speaking, if there's something I need, I'll have bought it because if I needed it, I, I'll go get it. If I don't need it, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And so there's not that childlike appeal of like, oh, new things, new toys. It's more like, oh, a pair of socks. Thank you. That's lovely. And it's actually quite useful. So I, I do actually genuinely appreciate this. But it's very easy whenever your disposable income goes up to have this sort of escalating arms race of buying gifts. And like, well, we got this last year, so we can't get something less than that. So what do we get? This? What do we get this? And then you're constantly trying to find out what the other person wants and needs and gets. So we're we're starting now to do this. Shall we just do a secret Santa and we'll just get one person, one thing <laughs> each and it'll be X value, no more than that. And it's just a wee thing because realistically, none of us really need or want anything. We just want to spend the day, have some nice food and, and relax. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, that kind of mutually assured financial destruction of like, ah, oh, I spent X last year, so I have to spend X plus two this year. Oh no, what do they need? I already bought them that. They don't want this. They don't want that. And you just, you, it ends up in the the worst of all is exchanging gift vouchers with each other. We are like, I've turned my omni-usable money into uni-usable store credit. Here, now it's your problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, we got to the stage where, um, you know, my mum was sending sending me money and I was sending her money. I mean, literally, we're exchanging currency across borders. Um, that should have been right up your, and, your street, to be fair. But yeah, obviously I was making making a commission on the deal. But um it it was um you know, there was a there was a time I it gets into the politics of families and the politics of relationships, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? It's like, oh, you know, she bought me X, Y, and Z last year i can't i can't just give her a pair of knickers this year um and i mean <laughs> I, I see i mean you're a wise old man at 30 and oh i'm close to death now at 51 um <laughs> and you know we're at the stage where we you know very very definitely do not buy anything um just because if if Margaret wants or needs something during the year, then she gets it. Yeah. And if I want or need something at any time, I, I probably get two. Um, and you know, I appreciate what you're saying. And, uh, you know, socks. Yes, thank you for the third. No, nobody wants socks. <laughs> TJ doesn't want socks. I nobody appreciates socks. I have bought my If we want socks. socks, we'll go and buy socks. I don't, that's the thing. I don't think I've ever actually bought a pair of socks. Genuinely, well, I'm 30 years old. I think all my socks really, have been gifted. Really, really liberating <laughs> You'll find it really liberating if you go out and buy your own socks um, and get rid of this crap you've been wearing for the last 30 years. Excuse me, um, they're all festive characters. They're wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Go buy yourself some cashmere. You'll be blown away. Um, so, yeah, Margaret and I, literally, now we are at the point we do not exchange gifts at all. There will be absolutely no gifts under our tree. 
for for a few years, we went through the oh well, we just do small stuff, <laughs> which escalates. And so you know, well, you know, I mean, you know, we'd buy each other chocolate that neither of us needs. Um, well, you know, oh, here's a little. Oh, look, it's a funny T-shirt. A, I don't wear T-shirts, and B, that's got Santa Claus on the front. No, um, <laughs> and and <laughs> you know that just became so that we just don't do it anymore, and. Uh, you've kind of touched upon it. It's it's about time. Um, spending time with people, whether that yeah. be the uncle that you don't like very much, or the mad aunt, or your mum, or um, or your other half. Um, you know, turn your bloody mobile off and spend some time with each other. That's the biggest gift there is these days, mm. because none of us do it. I mean, I, I'm happy to preach about it, but I'm as attached to my phone as anyone else is, and. Um, just sort of turning turning the thing off, and you go, well, you I can't turn it off. I've got fourteen uncles that are going to FaceTime me later. Yeah, okay, fine, but you know, turn it off for periods. You'd be surprised; these people can still catch you, even if you only have the phone on for an hour. Um, but yeah, so no gifts. There will be no gifts in 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 our house this year. Not a single one. We'll will be. It'll just be Margaret and I. Um, you know, we may touch on COVID later, but. Numbers are going bananas. I mean, UK, they're estimating that your R is three to five. Yeah, scary. Um, and I remember them get, getting upset about it being 1.1. So, mm. uh, and, you know, the same variant is here. So uh, we're, we're going to be in a similar spot, I would imagine. Uh, so, yeah, it'll just be the two of us. And we will drink that uh, Laurent Perrier. We will take the dogs out. Um, and well, as will become apparent earlier, we may have some, some technical issues around food as well. <laughs> ah, lucky us. Right. Give me a festive quotation, TJ. Oh, you're going to have to go hurt first. Cause I'm desperately Googling for one. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the only one I could think of is one that has, has well dogged me throughout my life. Uh, the one that everybody wants to, uh, to hear, to read, to experience on Christmas morning. Batteries not included. Um, that, that, was, that has stymied many a present uh, to the extent that as a man near death at, at 51, I have more batteries in my house than, <laughs> I was going to say Woolworths, but that probably won't work for many people, no. than most supermarkets. How many A's do you need? I've got one, two, three, five, nine, 46. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, lithium for you, sir? No, no, you'd prefer rechargeable? Nickel yes, cobalt. I have those two. Uh, the sir prefers nickel cobalt, indeed. <laughs> nickel cadmium, anyone? <laughs> yes. Right, I've got a quote. It's from a book that oh, I haven't read. Oh, here we go, festive quote. Oh. Uh, but I will read it uh, once I get to it. So this is from uh, Hogfather, which is the 20th book of the Disc Squirrel series by Terry Pratchett. I think I'm on book 13. Right. So I've got a way to go, but... Uh, Hogfather is sort of the, the Discworld equivalent of uh, Father Christmas, and so there's a there's some there's a thread there's a there's a connection here that I'm I'm playing at. So this is Terry Pratchett from Hogfather. The phrase "someone ought to do something" was not by itself a helpful one. People who used it never added the writer, and that someone is me. Thought that was quite quite fun. <laughs> and very true. <laughs> Yeah. A proclamation. As is so often the case. <laughs> no intention. 
Um, okay, then parish notices. Mm, we uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so I've got a few of these. Um, <laughs> first of all, I, I got boosted yesterday. Very well, good. Uh, so I'm I'm now sort of mostly AstraZeneca, but I've got a little Pfizer on top there just to uh, you know pep me yeah, up. Complete the cocktail. Um, yeah. So that was uh, I had to queue. I did a walk in uh, in Cyprus, and I had to. Queue. It was the first day that I was allowed to go, mm. that I was eligible to go, uh, and yes, I had to wait for an hour, uh, and there was. There was precipitation falling from the sky, TJ. <gasps> Something that doesn't happen often in this part of the world. <laughs> I was going to say, you'll be not used to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a reasonable return. Mm. Um, you know, the potential to protect myself from a deadly virus. I had to stand around for an hour listening to a podcast. <laughs> Seemed fair to me. Um, what else happened? Oh, yes, the oven. The mighty oven. Oh, God. <sighs> so... The oven saga that has been unfolding over over months now. Our oven appears on occasion to work perfectly. <laughs> and then at other times, you turn it on and three minutes later, it doesn't blow the fuse anymore. It cuts the electricity off in the entire house. Oh. Boom. Oh, dear. And I spoke to my... Uh, my <laughs> my sort of friendly sparky and i said uh listen sparky friend uh, i'm not quite sure this is what's supposed to happen when one puts the oven on and he said no mate you're right it shouldn't um and he came and had a look at this and had a look at that and had a look at the, the next thing and he went well look to blow the whole house there's only one thing that does that and that's a short circuit right okay so that's good because we've sort of moved away now from the idea that there's some sort of thermal problem with the oven uh, and we've moved on to the fact there's a short circuit somewhere. Right. So we checked all the bits that we could get to and everything appeared to be fine. And he said, well, look, the only thing I can think is that it's in the oven. A wire is touching on the casing and, and that's shorting it. That's, that's all I can think of. Which is the tradesman's way of saying it's another tradesman's problem. <laughs> it ain't me. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I got the aforementioned other tradesman in who... Uh, pulled pulled the oven out, um, turned it on, went, well, it's fine. And I said, yeah, all right, it's sitting on a chair outside the casing. The fact that it works now is neither here nor there, my friend. And so then he took the back off and tested all the wires with one of those little, you know, circuit testing thingy hooked your flip watches. Went, all seems fine to me. Put the back back on, put the thing back into the, the slot and blow me down, but the oven would do everything. It would do the self-cleaning, it would do the convection, it will do the grilling, anything. Not a problem. And I said to him in my broken Greek, listen, buddy, the minute you go out that gate, this thing's going to go wrong. And he went, all right, well, maybe you're right. And if it does, just give me a call. And you know what? I tried everything. I could not make that oven break. I could not make it. <sighs> so the next day, Cautious man that I am, I thought, <laughs> I'll just have another wee check. And turned it on. Three minutes later, boom, whole house lost, lost electricity. And I couldn't put it back on. I tried to flick the mains back on. It was having none of it. The only way I could get it back on was to turn every little fuse in the house, and there's a lot of them, trust me, off, turn the mains back on, and then reintroduce each mm. circuit. I was like, that's going to be quite tiresome on Christmas Day four times. 
Um, so phoned, <laughs> phoned back the guy who is coming next Monday. He's going to replace the fan on the oven. Um, I don't think he thinks there's anything wrong with the fan <laughs> on the oven that is there, but he, he's hoping it might sort of satisfy me. I've got the Sparky coming back to repair another Sparky's work. And I've said, look, give me a single circuit from the, the oven to the fuse board because I don't mind it blowing a fuse on the fuse board because I can fix that. But I really don't want to be walking around in the rain with a torch <laughs> uh, outdoors to our mains trying to get everything going again. So that's where we are with the oven. And of course, as you can imagine, the Sicilian um, loves cooking. Christmas, really important. You may or may not have an oven, darling. <laughs> that's that's not going well. Barbecue I'll be turkey. Honest. You got fourteen barbecues at last count. Uh, yeah, and I've got them all. I've got them all ready to go, <laughs> TJ. Mostly out of fear, to be honest. <laughs> please, darling. Don't, one of them don't worry. Please. Just, yes, just give me the roast potatoes. Look, I, I promise I can make them. Um, <laughs> Flame so roasted yeah, potatoes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, well, today's positive news was that um, Mrs. L got sent home from school because a pupil in her class tested positive for COVID. Oh, dear. So that, that was fun. Um, and suddenly uh, it did bring the I'm getting a booster jab higher up Mrs. L's priority list, which yeah. I think was a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. so now she's going back into school tomorrow. Uh, none of the pupils are, so they're starting uh, the rest of term, which I think amounts to an entire four days, is is going through Microsoft Teams. Yeah. Oh, 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 wish, wish them luck. Uh, I mean, you know, I work with, a, with a, you know, sort of 20 grown-ups on Microsoft Teams. <laughs> the idea of having 29-year-olds, good Lord. Well, they're probably better than the, be the ones you work with and I work with. I mean, there's a lot of... Nine-year-olds, you're far more competent in computers than any 30-year-old will be. Oh, no, it's, it's not a question of competence. It's a question of how people think that logging on to Microsoft Teams is in some way work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was on Teams. I don't care if you were on Teams. What did you achieve? Uh, well, I turned Teams on, and I logged in, and then I ran Teams. That's the three <laughs> yeah. things I did today. Yeah. <laughs> 16 emojis, I sent. <laughs> it's hard work. I had to look for the right one 16 times. <laughs> what do you mean you had to look for the right one nobody looks for the right one teacher that's just you <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, well i can get so my what booster about you from what, what parish notices have we got i can i can get my booster <gasps> from monday get it. so or i can get it now and may can get it from monday i think because we're now meg and i with my advancing age we are now on opposite sides yes. of an age bracket and it hurts me so to say and i am on the wrong side of it so Meg was in the the You're young on the right side bracket. of it, young man. Well, no, I'm on the wrong side. Meg's in the right. Meg's in the young person's bracket, eighteen to twenty nine, and I'm in the the old fogies, thirty plus. No, experienced, experienced <laughs> side. <laughs> so I could book mine. Worth talking to side from yesterday, uh, and Meg can book hers from Monday. So I think we're both going to do. There's a couple of drop ins that we can sort of call into and see if we can get them. If not, we can book from Wednesday. So I think we'll be getting ours as soon as. Uh, which is good. So both my folks have already had theirs. Um, and my brothers are getting theirs on next week. And so are we. So as you say, get the booster jab and hopefully, fingers crossed, see if Christmas is a bit more social this year. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. My my prediction to everybody's joy will be not a chance. <laughs> You're all going to be locked down um, four days from now. It's all going to get very, very tense because you'll be having, mm, I don't know, 150, 200,000 cases a day in the UK. Yeah. And what can you do? You just got to... Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Got to make do. But alas... Mm. However, our Christmas is, we will still be able to watch Mr. Bean and Strictly and everything else. And if we have 42 cans of Fosters that I'm supposed to be sharing and unable to, then it's going to be a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, you'll be watching The Great Escape. <laughs> so you'll be, getting, you'll be getting good with the the baseball against the wall and the cooler. <laughs> is there any... Um, have you seen Chicken Run? Yes. Is there any sort of... Comparisons and similarities between Chicken Run and The Great Escape? No more than 30. <laughs> okay. Because that's a great film. But uh, there's another thing for you to watch. Back to back. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. I mean, Steve McQueen in The Great Escape is awesome. I think I may have called him Paul Newman earlier, but. I no, he didn't. It's he definitely didn't. Steve McQueen. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, Chicken Run. Yeah, there's a couple of references back to it, at least, that I can think of. So I'm sure there are more that I missed. But any of those any of those war movies, there, there's a whole sort of series of them that you probably don't know. Um, uh, Where Eagles Dare, have you heard of that? I've heard of them, but I've not seen them. Okay. I mean, I mean even the theme music is <laughs> just amazing. Yeah. It's You know, it's from that era when, you know, you had a, a sort of like Star Wars. Yeah. You had these amazing composers. Orchestras just... were big. Mm. Um, so, yeah, where Eagles Dare, 633 Squadron, the Dam Busters, um, another true story. Bridge of a River, uh, Kwai. Yes, that's a good one. I mean, that was like a who's who of British actors at the time. <laughs> um, uh, Battle of the Bulge. Um, Lawrence of uh, Arabia, it would be that era, wouldn't it? <gasps> oh, yeah, Peter O'Toole. Good Lord. I mean, that movie was... Um, I, that was the first really long movie, I think. Mm. I haven't um, seen any of these, by the way. It's like, oh, you should watch them. Oh, they're really good. <laughs> you could have a war movie marathon. on their own. I mean, look, where Eagles Dare, you've got Richard Burton and Clint Eastwood. I mean, <laughs> there's not many movies that you're going to get that much talent in. <laughs> um, and some, some uh, yeah, some really good other actors, too. Hmm. Anyway, yes. So um, our topic for this evening was, in fact, this evening, wasn't it? That was it. That was it. Yeah, we, we've we've talked about the Christmas uh, and the various bits involved. The Christmas. The Christmas. Uh, well, we, I think it was nice to try and try and focus in on the 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 regulars, but festively themed regulars. I think we did a a no worse than usual job of meandering through that. Uh, it's par for the course. Oh, there we are. Damned by faint. Race Cosgrove, good God, man! I mean, we're we're disappointingly uh, expected. You know, the, the, we, no one was disappointed. No one was overwhelmed. But no, we're the socks of podcasts, right? It's just you get it. You're like, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's not bad. The joy of socks. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear! Have you got any Christmas? Messages? Honestly, if I was Merlin, man, I would I would have shouted title at that point. Um, <laughs> Have I got any Christmas messages? Well, yeah, yeah. Have a very Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past the present.
in the future. This was a very merry episode of 1857. Merry Christmas! <laughs> what podcast is this, boy? <laughs> and boom!